Randy, hold on one second. Got to make sure that I can hear myself because the last video I did, this is a redo. All right, good. <laughs> Just making sure, making sure, making sure. Um, yeah, I, I you didn't know. No one told me that no one could hear me. You know what I mean? So I didn't even know that. Oh, hold on. Uh, I didn't know that anybody couldn't hear me, um, you know, uh, uh, with this. So let me, let me check. Yeah, so um, you guys can hear me, so that's good because I can hear myself on my phone. So that's a good thing. <laughs> anyway, good morning. This is the redo of Salvation and Confession that I did this morning that no one can hear. Um, 
So I'm redoing it and I hope you guys enjoy. Then I got to go out and do some chores and stuff like that, which is great, man. I, you know what? Chores are a good thing, you know, uh, uh, because it gets you in to, to, to doing stuff and you're not just sitting around doing stupid crap. You know what I mean? I hope you guys had a good morning. I know I have, you know, getting up every morning and, and stuff like that and just kind of hanging out with Jesus and getting, you know, in with him and, and getting, prayed up and, and prayed out. It's just been good. Uh, so I'm redoing this video. So I hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to be in Romans at chapter 10 verses 5 through 13. And if you guys want to, uh, uh, if you guys want to um, comment, please do. Um, and I will check that out uh, once I get, um, once I see it. You know what I mean? So I'm going to put this on a different screen. Uh, so um, let's get into it. Heavenly Father, we just we just come before you. We want to say thank you for all that you do and all that you have done, Lord. And, and, and thank you for your word. And get this lowly preacher out of the way, God, and let your word go forward. We love you and we worship you, Jesus. Amen. Maybe I should, like, start, you know, going on my phone and actually listening to it. That way... You know, there's there's a little bit I could, you know, I don't have to redo things. And, and guys, if, if you don't hear me, please say something to me. Um, that way I can figure out what's going on with this mic. Uh, just a quick announcement before we get started. Uh, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We totally believe in the power and necessity of prayer. So it doesn't matter what prayer you guys need. Just you guys need prayer, please please um, go to Made Free Church, and we'd love to pray for you. Uh, well, let's get into this. This is called Confessions and Salvation, and we're going to be in Romans chapter 10, verses 5 through 13. And uh, um, so let's get into this. You know, in, in this chapter, the Apostle Paul describes the way of salvation from a human perspective, uh, excuse me, from a human perspective. And... Uh, um, Okay, we're good. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, he unfolds for us what our role in terms of receiving the gift of salvation. So let's read that. Let's read Romans 10, 5 to 13. It says this for Moses writes writes about uh righteousness that is based on the law, that a person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will or who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, it means bring Christ up from the dead. But what it what what it does say, the word is near you and your mouth in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Um because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confessed and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Greek or between Jew or Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him. 
for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know, uh, a Bible commentator has put it this way, the noblest sermon of grace, right? That has been thought it being, being, being a, a difficult and not suitable for a Sunday morning service of the word, right? Uh, the bad reputation of this letter. Uh, but I want to refute that in two facts, right? The first fact is that the apostle Paul did not write for scholars that some people have summarized, right? He wrote for common people. A quick scan of Romans 16, that, that, that will confirm that. But see, Paul wrote theology that all could understand, for not many wise according to the word were found in the early churches in Romans 1, I mean, in 1 Corinthians uh, 126. And, sec and the second fact is, is that it's not strict as uh, speaking uh, correct uh, to say it in modern churchgoers are simple minded, right? It is true that the evangelical church is overrun with superficial and shallow literature. You know, a trip to your local Christian bookstore at your local mega church will confirm that. Or if you go on to christianbook.com, you will see that. And, you know, and, and, and in spite of, uh, of this, many Christians are longing to find and read substantial material. Uh, in fact, at the same time that we are deluged with simplistic literature, there is also a revival of reading of Puritan theology and the writings of more of the recent reformers, reformed authors, right? The problem that people have with Romans is related not to its form, but to its content. When, when, when people go to church, they expect to hear sermons on morality, but Paul teaches grace and preaches grace, right? <laughs> the, the change of subject matter is so startling that many become really confused. It, it's not surprising to hear that, you know, uh, said after a sermon uh, on grace is that was like way over my head. You know, the, the, the subject of grace is incompatible with the mindset of many and 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 they are inc inclined to blame their failure to pay attention on the message on the difficulty of the topic or the dullness of the speaker morality they understand but grace they don't all right praise the lord hey my brother from india good hey good evening there my brother so it is a duty of every preacher of grace to cut away the undergrowth of morality that inevitably gathers a sound doctrine and uh, gospel preaching in order that pure grace of the gospel may be seen, right? That is one of the chief reasons why I expose the unbiblical notion of free will. You know, I, I want to clear away the things that hinder you from gazing upon grace and in this i stand in the steps with augustine luther calvin whitfield uh the uh, uh the hodges warfield and, and many 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 others and you know i'm not saying that i'm just like them i'm not I, i'm me right but in in preaching it, it let me put it this way in the preceding context of today's 
text, the failure of the Israelites from the human side has been emphasized. For the divine side of things was handled in Romans 9. Paul traces the failure of the Israelites in Romans 9, you know, to the, the pride and, and of self-righteousness. And we see that in verse 3. And unbelief in verses, uh, chapter 9, verses 32 uh, through 33, and, and also in Romans 10, 4. The root of both is a failed failure to hear the word of God, to heed the exhort, exhortation, right? Uh, and, and, and we should sing this, right? It, it, in, 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 in him is how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith, his excellent word. Right? And, uh, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the Apostle Paul begins his exposition on this section by commenting on the righteousness of the law in verse 5. He says, for, for Moses writes about righteousness based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. See, what Paul says very simply here is that there is righteousness set forth in the law, but it is righteousness of human works. You can just check that out in Philippians 3.9. So ideally, or let's put it hypothetically, it might be possible for a person to obtain to the righteousness by law. But of course, that's impossible because of the fall, right? Only Jesus Christ has ever fully obeyed a lot of the a law of God. But hypothetically, and I, I emphasize the word hypothetically, the law sets out a legal righteousness. In other words, if a person from the moment that he draws breath to the moment that he draws his last should live in a perfect obedience to the law, then he might claim heaven by works. But that seems to point out uh, point of our Lord our Lord's encounter with the lawyer, right? Who came to Jesus asking in Luke 10, 25, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? You know, he, he evidently thought that life might be gained by some outstanding, uh, a benevolent act, but see the Lord directs him to the scriptures saying, what is the What is written in the law? How do you read it in, in verse uh, 10, 26, right? And the young man replies, you know, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, uh, with all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied, <coughs> you have answered correctly. Do this and live. Jesus made an important change in the lawyer's words. However, the lawyer said, what must I do? Using an, an orist tense of the word do, suggesting an isolated act, right? Uh, uh, such as a, a magnificent expression of goodness in some in some deeds of kindness, right? Jesus, however, uses the present tense word "do." The tense usually a derivative or linear in force. Jesus intended to say to the lawyer, "If you continually did what the law demands throughout his life, then you shall live." The law, the legal way to life is 100% holiness and deed and word throughout one's lifetime. A standard too high for sinful people. Uh, 
as the verse has it, run John and live the law commands, but gives me neither legs nor hands, yet better the news the gospel brings, and it bids me fly and gives me wings. The law was given to bring the people to knowledge of their sin, and it performs that really, really admirably uh, when one seriously considers what, what, it, what, what it's saying. Right. And as a result, no one is able to stand and testify that they have obeyed God's law during their lifetime perfectly. No one has. You know, there's a story of a man who did that uh, at an invitation of a preacher. Right. When he said when the preacher asked if anyone in the congregation would like to stand and confess their perfection of light, a man stood up somewhat hesitantly and, and it, to surprise the preacher who asked, are you standing to tell us that you've lived a perfect life? The man replied, no, but I would like to put in a word for my, 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 my wife's first husband. Now, I'm sure, you know, upon a closer inspection, even the first husband would be found to have broken God's law. The point is that no one is able to obey God's law perfectly. No one. So Paul talked. It, it, Paul talks next of the righteousness is that is by faith. In the next few sentences, the possible leaning rhetorically on Deuteronomy 30 verses 10 through 4 points out that the scriptures teach righteousness by faith, right? In the context of, of Deuteronomy, Moses is setting four details of the, the Palestinian covenant a covenant regulated Israel's enjoyment of the land that was promised to them by the Abrahamic covenant, right? In essence, Moses said that if Israel would keep the Lord's command, note, note that's plural, and if they turned to the Lord in their heart, note the singular nature of this command, uh, that they would enjoy possessions of the land. If they were disobedient, then they would be scattered to the four corners of the earth. Now, let's look at, at Deuteronomy 30, verses 10 through 14. He says this. He says, when you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, for this commandment that I command to you today is not too hard for you, neither is far off. It is not in heaven that you say, who will ascend to heaven for us and bring it to us? We may, so we may he, that we may hear it and do it. Neither it is beyond the sea that you say that you should say, who will go over to the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the words is very near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, so that you can do it. All that Moses is saying is his own rhetoric in his own rhetorical way is that the grace is near in the Old Testament. And that is not a product of a large physical endeavors. Grace comes through simple inclining to your heart towards the Lord. It's an act of faith, right? The apostle in Romans 10, 6, trading uh, uh, on that rhetorical expression of the simple nature of faith and that it is the the it is not matter of works by which we obtain god's blessing writes 
do not say it in your heart who will ascend to heaven. That's is to bring Christ down. Paul suggests is that we do not have to participate in the incarnation. The divine act has already occurred, right? He has come. He has not, and it, it, it is not as a reward for human works, but it's but in sheer grace. The next sentence is, who will ascend into this? That is to bring Christ up from the dead, right? In 10.7. So it points out to another impossibility. He, the Messiah, has already risen. You can find that in Matthew 28.6 and John uh, 6, uh, 16.10. Paul says, salvation is not by human merit, nor by human supplement of the work of God. It is not something obtained, but something obtained. What is needed is not a new start in, due, in the attempt to provide ourselves with the robe of righteousness, but a new heart by regeneration. Obtaining a new heart by regeneration is an immediate possibility for the, for it says, the word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart, that is the word of faith that we proclaim, right? In, in verse 8, God seeks faith alone, right? And he provides it to you in Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. So the apostle explains the nature of the word of faith in the New Testament expressions in Romans uh, chapter 10, nine, uh, verses 9 and 10. It consists of the confession of the Lord, of Jesus as Lord, and his resurrection, a confession of that rises out of the heart of faith, right? Verse 9 says, because you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Verse 10, for with your heart one believes and is justified and with your mouth one confesses and is saved. I'm going to check my phone again. Okay, let's go. All right. Um. So Paul refers first to the confession of the Lord Jesus, right? And then follows that with a reference to faith in his resurrection. Now, it should be pointed out that Paul is not speaking in two unrelated matters when he's speaking of confession and belief. One is an outward side of things and the effect of the other. Faith is the inward side of the matter and is caused of the confession. One commentator says, and yet the two are one, for the confession without belief is neither self-deception is either self-deception uh, self-deception or hypocrisy, while trust without confession may be cowardice. In confessing Jesus as Lord, one confesses the divine natures and attributes in him. It's it is a confession which can only be made by the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12, 3, which indicates in an incident in, in, in a way that faith is a gift from God. One sees a beautiful illustration in the Last Supper when the apostles, Jews, Judas accepted, referred to him as Lord, while the betrayer could only muster up a master. You can find that in Matthew 26, 20-25. The second article of faith, namely that Jesus has been raised from the dead, is an important corrective for those who use the term Lord too broadly. 
right? First Corinthians 3, 5. There is one Lord, Jesus Christ, and through him all things and through whom we exist in 1 Corinthians 8, 6. Whom has been raised from the dead and all other lords are not lords at all. The Christian faith is, is not among many. Peter puts it so plainly in Acts 4.12, as salvation is only through Christ, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And the Lord Jesus affirms the same thing in John 14.6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So, is it not true that we're going to heaven? But by different roads, some by works and some by grace through Christ. Christianity is an exclusive truth. It's, it's inexcusable for a Christian preacher of the gospel, knowing that salvation is only through Jesus Christ, fail to preach that truth. You know, those who think that an exclusive system of truth is bigoted, arrogant, but the charge should be laid at the feet of our Lord, for he is the author. The fact that Jesus is Lord has and, and has been raised from the dead is an affirmation that stands both within history and outside of history, and not merely as a teacher but a conqueror of death. And, and he said with this encounter with Martha in John chapter 11, verses 25 to 26, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, he yet he's, he shall live. And if anyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. He is the Lord of life and death. You know, there, there, there's a prolific poet his name's Lord Byron, who said this. If ever a man was God or God was a man, Jesus Christ was both. There, there's a story out there of a, a Chinese Christian who, who came to the United States years ago, right? Uh, his name was uh, C.K. Lee, which illustrates the necessity for Christ uh, for our salvation. He gave a message to a really liberal church in California, and he was at he and was asked at his conclusion, why should we send Christianity to China when they when the, the Chinese have Confucianism? <laughs> he replied, This well, there are three reasons. First, Confucius was a teacher, Christ a savior. Chinese need a savior more than they need a teacher. Second, Confucius is dead and Christ is alive. China needs a living savior. And finally, Confucius one day will be going to be judged by Jesus Christ. And China needs to know Christ as savior before they, before she meets him as a judge. And I think that was put very well. Paul summarizes uh, uh, in, in Romans 10, 10 is for the heart one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. Paul then makes three conclusions regarding the gospel. The gospel is universal, sufficient, and accessible. First, 
Paul affirms the universality of the gospel in verse 11. Everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. The gospel is available to all. Second, Paul affirms the sufficiency of the gospel. In verse 12, <clears throat> for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. The gospel is able to save the Jew and the child, rich, poor, black, white, educated or uneducated, does not matter. Third, Paul affirms the accessibility of the gospel in verse 13. He says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel is accessible to all who will call upon the Lord. Can anything be simpler? The Bible, you know, there's Bible students, you know, uh, 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 who have said, who have noted that three times Abraham said to call upon the Lord. It is significant that on each occasion he is standing at the altar which blood sacrifices were placed. It suggests to us that the only basis which we may call upon the Lord is that of a blood sacrifice of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Now, of course, Paul mentions that we may be safe, saved by calling upon the Lord. You know, he means true calling. Uh, upon him for a personal salvation from sin, guilt, and condemnation. The calling upon the Lord is an expression of true faith in him. For faith and prayer uh, uh, are, 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 are cognate acts, right? And, and, and the act of calling upon him will affirm his deity too. For only a deity can save us. There's an article in, in, in a Reader's Digest, and it was in 1987, about the enhanced 911 and an important addition to the emergency uh, telephone call program. You know, the, the, where the system is in oper the system is in operation and the person who dials 911 doesn't have to tell the operator his location or anything unless he's calling from a cell phone, right? The enhanced 911 has, has, has been a dramatic success. For example, you know, back then, a six-year-old boy called and went to report his house being on fire. You know, it, it, even while the operator was telling the frightened boy what to do, the fire equipment is, was sent out. A terrified girl called to say that a man was trying to break into her home. Three minutes later, that guy was arrested and the child was safe. In another city, a girl whispered to 911 operator that a man was hurting her mother and then hung up and the police arrived to capture the rapist. God has the best 911 program. For the Bible assures us that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right? So I, I trust that anyone watching this stream or listening to this podcast will believe in the word of God, call upon his name for salvation. Amen. So this is that was my redo. You know, I'm sorry uh, I had to redo it, but uh, when I was looking at streams and stuff like that, uh, there was no way that uh, that stream, you can hear me. You know what I mean? And no one told me. So, uh, but guys, that's it. Let's pray out, man. And and, and I won't do any, uh, 
any announcements. Let's just pray out, man. And, and uh, I want to thank you guys for watching. I want to thank you guys on the podcast for listening. God bless you guys. Hope this uh, tour through through uh, through uh, Romans has been a blessed to you. And we're, we're not even done yet. I mean, we're just we're all we're, we're on that we're on the 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 tail end of it. So I hope you guys enjoy it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. And uh, we just want to say thank you for all that you do, Jesus. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have a great day. God bless.